2: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
3: I hope you enjoyed your football Saturday. I hope you enjoyed your football Sunday. I hope you didn't just consume sports all weekend unless that's what makes you happy. I posted the photos of... Hiking with my family on Saturday, and some guy took me to task for not staying home and watching college football all day. He said, you must be from the Northeast. (laughs) Or I just need a day off. Hope that's okay with you, sir. Aye, aye, Captain. Anyway, yes, I did enjoy the great outdoors on Saturday. Also had some great outdoors on Friday and soaking in the fall air and the gorgeous weather in New Jersey. It was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. So I feel refreshed. I hope you do as well. Still have no problems keeping up with everything that I have to follow Uh, this time of the year. That's part of the gig, right? Not a whole lot of time for college football on this edition of the show. We'll get to some of it as we head through this week. But we've got our matchup set for the World Series that doesn't begin until Friday. (laughs) That's weird. Uh, Although, you know what? To just talk about Friday at this point in the week makes me smile. So I'll take it. (laughs) So the World Series baseball essentially is off until Friday, Saturday when the Phillies will be on the road at the Astros for games one and two Friday, Saturday, they're off Sunday. Trust me. Baseball doesn't want to tangle with the NFL. We're going to hear from the Yankees as we head through this edition of the show. And also the Padres, those two teams, the also rands in their respective leagues. However, a much greater disappointment for the Yankees. And certainly rivals that of the Dodgers, right? And the Padres were the team that eliminated the Dodgers. The Yankees had trouble with the Astros in the nine games they played. Was it nine? And they play- no, seven in the regular season. Seven in the regular season, they only won two of them. And both of those were by walkoffs. So they did not lead the Astros during the regular season for an entire inning. That never happened. This is their nemesis. Now going back to 2016, the Yankees have been eliminated in the postseason three times by the Astros. You know what it reminds me of? The Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. How many times might the Rockets have been into the NBA Finals or even the Western Conference Finals over the course of this stretch with the Golden State Warriors dominating the West? Or I guess you could put Cleveland in that category. Now Cleveland did end up winning a championship, But for four years, had to battle the Warriors in the NBA Finals. You could also say the Cleveland Cavaliers and any other team in the East over the stretch when LeBron was back on the shores of Lake Erie. So it's not just about whether or not your team is competent, whether or not your team drafts well, whether or not your team has... the best record in their division, wins a division title. No, you don't just compete in a vacuum. You also have to be aware, and you also are a product of everything else that's happening around you in the same era that you played. I mean, we could go on and on and and back and forth with this game all night. Think about the Michael Jordan Bulls and the number of teams that would have had titles or multiple titles if Michael Jordan and the Bulls don't dominate when they did. It's external factors and other teams that are just as good, if not better, than the Yankees. Now, there are also a lot of internal issues, but this team nearly won 100 games. Did they try to make moves at the deadline? Yeah. Some of them worked out like Harrison Bader. Some of them did not. And so certainly, for a franchise where the expectations are World Series or bust to not get back to the World Series is a big deal. Much bigger disappointment for the teams that set themselves up on this high pedestal all season long and they get a lot of attention. The bigger they are, the harder they fall and that was the Dodgers and the Yankees in this postseason. Misery loves company. Brave same situation. Met same thing though not quite the same expectations as Dodgers and Yankees. Now I did just put this question up and no it's not rhetorical it's it's a legit question i did just put this question up on twitter i'm gonna put it up on facebook as well and this is even a precursor to our monday misery poll mortified on monday it's your new favorite thing it's my favorite thing too i gotta tell you the truth Uh, why is that why do we all love talking about misery in sports it brings us together we bond over it it's therapy to talk it out But I just put this on Twitter. What's stranger that the Jets have the same number of wins as Buffalo at this point in the season through week seven, and Buffalo's off this week, or that the Seahawks are alone in first place in the NFC West? Maybe it's something else. But those two crazy, strange, nutty week seven storylines blow me away. And then, as I say, we'll put the poll up soon. Our show Twitter is After Hours CBS. Our Facebook page named after the show. YouTube channel, same thing. Podcast, After Hours, amylawrence.com. Google is your friend if you're trying to find us on social media or with the podcast. And I do promise I'll put some photos up on Facebook when I have the chance. But we're a little busy around here in October. It's October. And sports never stop. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Do you need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. Maybe you would answer that question with the response of both the Packers and the Buccaneers below 500 through Week 7. Is it the end of the road? No. Have you seen what's happening in the NFC right now? The NFC is gross. <laughs> Actually, I find it highly amusing that it's the Eagles and the Giants, the Cowboys and the Vikings, who have the most number of wins. Okay, the Vikings? Who trusts the Vikings? No one. But 5-1 and one is 5-1. and one. You are what your record says you are. They've won four straight. They're off this weekend. Shoot, I forgot who's Money Night football.
1: The Bears and the Packers. Bear, no
3: Bears and, Patriots. Me, Bears and the Patriots. Bears and Patriots. Bears and Patriots. Thank you. Actually, a big night for Bill Belichick. Could be a big night for Mac Jones. We'll talk about it. Vikings, Cowboys, five wins each. Giants and Eagles. The NFC East has an identity crisis and now thinks it's the NFC West. It's like one of those body swaps that movies are made of every now and then. Freaky Friday. It's a freaky Friday, only it's freaky football. So yeah, Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, and and Vikings are the top teams in the NFC. No one else has more than four wins. And the team with four wins is the Seahawks. Okay, I'm not kidding. That's it. Do you know in the NFC right now, There are five teams above 500. Five out of 16. I've just mentioned them. The Eagles, the Giants, the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Seahawks. Get out of here. Seriously. I mean, I would take this somewhere else if I could, but you are a welcome audience, Pete Carroll. Five out of 16 teams that are above 500 in the NFC. All that to say, it really doesn't matter if the Packers and Buccaneers are below 500 at this point because so is everybody else except for those five teams. Now, does it make the road harder? Of course. But it in no way eliminates them from playoff contention. The Buccaneers are still tied for the lead in the South Division. It's just strange. (laughs) I do, like I said, find it amusing. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Let's talk about those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My eyes! Oh, my eyes! Wait, you know what that scene is from? I love Friends. It was the last great comedy. Well, Friends and Seinfeld. I really don't watch comedies anymore, though I did hear that Ghost is really funny. So maybe at some point I'll take up Ghost, which is on CBS. Anyway, (laughs) that scene is Phoebe through the window, catching Monica and Chandler having sex for the first time. Well, she saw them for the first time. Sorry, this is a family program, but at 12.10 a.m. Pacific time, hopefully not too many juvies are listening. Anyway, the point is, my eyes, oh, my eyes, she couldn't unsee it. That's what I feel like as I watch the Tampa Bay and Green Bay offenses Holy crap, my eyes. They're burning. It hurts. Make it stop. I thought that the Tampa Bay loss in Pittsburgh would be a wake-up call. Turns out the Carolina Panthers decided to pile on.
4: Walker, the shotgun snap, throwing for the end zone. Moore is there. He makes the catch. Did he stay in bounds? He did. Touchdown, Carolina. Carolina. Walker in the gun, more now slot left. Here's the snap, pressure off the edge, they run it to Hubbard, he's got the 10, five, up the middle,
1: touchdown Panthers! He did, get, he did not get touched, that's just a simple trap play. Pulled the guard around, hit the three technique, and he hit his head on the goal post. Not a single person was there. Great blocking by the guys up front, great play call, great execution.
4: Walker in the gun, Foreman off his left tip, two receivers to the left, two stacked to the right, one of them is the tight end, Trimble. Walker, the snap, fires downfield. Tommy Tremble's open, makes the catch. Touchdown, Panthers!
1: Right. That's gorgeous. Wide open.
3: <laughs> gorgeous. That's so gorgeous. If I'm not mistaken, now I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that I saw this on NFL Network. That touchdown by Tommy Tremble for the Panthers, as you hear on Carolina Panthers Radio, was the first among the tight ends on National Tight Ends Day. So raise your hand if you thought Tommy Tremble would have the first touchdown among the tight ends. That's gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Well, you'll have to forgive me for starting with the reaction from the Bucks locker room first because we play highlights from the Panthers. We play no highlights. From the Buccaneers. It was another brutal offensive day. A scoreless first half. And get this. Oh my gosh you guys. My eyes. It's not just the fact that they didn't score touchdowns. It's the fact that they had no drive in the first half. That stretched longer than 33 yards. That's brutal. It's futile. It's inept. And this is Tom Brady. Who's got Chris Godwin. Mike Evans. Leonard Fournette. They're not running the ball well. And a lot of that, I know people don't want to hear this because they'd be happier blaming Tom Brady. A lot of that has to do with the offensive line. We've had multiple defections and injuries on that offensive line, and it's showing. It's the unit that is really struggling to protect Tom Brady as well as to clear running lanes. There's a, that's a big weakness for the Buccaneers. Now, is it their only problem? No. Did you see how many drops there were by receivers? Even Mike Evans, I'm pretty sure he was targeted 422 times in this game because that's about the only one that Brady's comfortable with. Godwin, sure. But for the most part, he was targeted 15 times. He and Godwin were targeted 28 times total. Tom Brady threw 49 pass attempts and 28 attempts went to those two guys. Those are the ones he feels comfortable with. It's pretty obvious. But Mike Evans had a bunch of drops. Godwin did too. This is a team effort. To make it look this bad, it requires the entire team. So middle of the third quarter, they've got three chances from the 25-yard line. All they need is one yard. One yard to keep the drive alive. Nope. An incomplete and a pair of runs that are stuffed at the line. I mean, it was just, what am I watching? it was astounding meanwhile we've got the the panthers who finally figure it out with pj walker chuba hubbard has a 17 yard touchdown that puts them up 14-zip and then we heard the tommy tremble 29 yard score and the final once again 21 to <clears throat> 3 because the buccaneers do not score a touchdown they go 3 of 15 on third and fourth down so those moments when tom brady made his incredible career and his incredible reputation for being clutch over one in the red zone it's the opposite of what we've seen from Brady for most of his career and as i pointed out not even 50 rushing yards and don't it's not this time it's not about the fact that they're playing from behind they were but they're only down 7 zip for most of this game and so it's not about having to throw the ball to catch up it's about the offensive line in large part. Brady was only sacked once officially. He was only hit three times. He's trying to get the ball out as quickly as possible. Brady doesn't want to get hit. And then Carolina, of course, is able to play that run control game. They're able to use their own run game to be able to bring more balance to their offense. And P.J. Walker was on target. He has 177 yards and a couple of touchdowns. But Carolina rushed for 173 yards. It's just the perfect storm against the Bucks right now. And obviously, there's got to be a sense of urgency for Tom Brady, for Todd Bowles, for the rest of the Bucks. We
0: have to work hard. I have to have discipline, commitment, mental and physical toughness. Those are all character traits. And we have a lot of great guys in the locker room. So we're going to go in tomorrow morning. We've got a short week. We've got to work hard to try to fix it. We're just, uh, we talked to about execution the other day, and it still comes up. You know, I think we just all have to do our job better. So there's no easy way about it. It's, you know, they're trying to keep us from doing our job. We're trying to do it, and uh, they're doing a better job than we are. It's any time you score three points, that pretty much sums it up. It's just Mm frustration, disappointment, man. We knew coming to the season the type of team we could be, but we haven't been that team yet. So now this is the type of team we are right now. This We're not a good team right now. We don't know how to play four good quarters of football. We could play three good quarters, but we always falling short at some point in the game. So we just got to stop looking at what we can be and just accept that this is who we are right now and start to change and then fix it because it's not going to just
2: magically change or we're not going to fix it just magically. We're going to have to, whatever it takes to fix it, we're going to have to do it. It's a dark day. For us losing the way we did and the mistakes that we had that we shouldn't have had. And, you know, you can't do nothing but pick your shirt up by the tail. We own it. We have to own it to a man. We have to stand up here and own it and make no excuses. And we just got to start digging.
3: Todd Bull's first comment has to be one of my favorites. It's a dark day.
2: It's a dark day.
3: But then what does it mean? Now, I'm the queen of screwing up cliches and mixing up cliches. What does he mean? All we can do is pick our shirt up by the tail.
2: You know, you can't do nothing but pick your shirt up by the tail. We own it.
3: Is that like a super cool phrase and I just don't know what it means? You're forever trying to tell me all these cool phrases that I don't know. And so if you can explain this one to me, I'll be really impressed. Is this some type of like super cool thing all the kids are saying now?
2: I've actually never heard this one, but when I hear it, it reminds me of something like a Michael Jackson dance move. Like when you go on the ground and like pick yourself up by the back of your shirt collar and like kind of like look slick. I don't know. Like no one's going to help you up. You got to do it yourself. That's hmm. what I get from that. But I never heard right. that before.
3: Well, my maternal grandmother used to say something along the lines of, you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Also not a concept I'm familiar with, bootstraps. Um, but my grandmother said it all the time. My mom said it after her. I know what it means. I just don't know why it means that. And I have no idea what this means. Unless, of course, he's talking about, but see, the tail of your shirt is the bottom. It's not the top.
2: Right. Pick your shirt up by the tail. I've, I don't get it. I don't know. I've never heard that before.
3: All right, so we're clueless. Uh, Either way, it is a dark day. That was the most important thing that Todd Bowles said. (laughs) As for the Carolina Panthers, Steve Wilkes and his Panthers get their first win since the change from Matt Rule.
1: I'm extremely proud um, of the men in that locker room. Uh, I just told them that they continue to impress me uh, by the way they just overcome adversity and circle the wagons and come together together And uh, that definitely wasn't a team out there today was trying to tank it. You know, these guys right here have come together. Uh, They believe in one another. And it's about trying to win football games.
3: I appreciate that, Coach Wilkes. Mentions that. No doubt they've heard it. This is not a team trying to tank. Yes, they traded away Robbie Anderson because he was being a punk. Yes, they traded away Christian McCaffrey because they got four draft picks in exchange for a running back. That is rare. And I didn't love that move, but I understand why they made it. Do you know what they didn't do? They didn't trade away Brian Burns for two first-round draft picks. That was the report on Sunday, that they were offered two first-round draft picks for the pass rusher, Brian Bird. Second year pass rusher, I believe. So they declined to trade him. He ends up with a sack and a QB hit and five tackles in this win.
1: Now that I got a sack on Tom and we got the dub, <laughs> I think I'm going to have three glasses of Hennessy tonight. Oh. I watched two movies. Man, we watch Rush Hour 2. We watch Bad Boys. You guys <laughs> can see it. With, out. With the
3: Hennessy straight? Yeah, I ain't got nothing to lose. Three glasses tonight. Three glasses tonight. I ain't got nothing to lose straight. That's funny, right? That's how Brian Burns will celebrate Hennessy and bad boys. And I was a little off. He is into his fourth year now, the defensive end, and he did not get traded and the Panthers are not taking, they are rebuilding, but they don't need quarterbacks. So it's going to feel like that, right? Until they beat the Buccaneers in their own division. Panthers now at two and five. And what about Christian McCaffrey? He was actually suited up and on the field for the Niners on Sunday. Niners running into the Kansas City Chiefs, who did not want to go into their bye week on two consecutive losses, but a tough place to play in the Bay Area. That's straight ahead. So find me on Twitter, A Law Radio. It's a serious question. What stranger, the Jets with five wins, same as Buffalo, or the Seahawks, all by themselves in first place? in the AFC West, or maybe you think it's something else. So whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, we're glad to connect you, connect with you, and connect you. (laughs) We'll connect the dots. On this Sunday night into a Monday morning, poll is forthcoming, Chiefs and...
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: Niners and CMC next after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
1: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. The Chiefs have first down and goal to go at the 8. McKinnon stays in at running back. That is Scantling. To the left side, they're going to flip it to Hardman. Going left, gets a block inside the five. Hardman squeezes into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City on a flip pass. As McColl Hardman takes it for eight yards from Mahomes, it gets great blocking on the left side. Tenth play of the drive for the Chiefs. They trail 13-7, to 7.18 7. to go. Now a quick... Handoff goes to the right side on a jet sweep. McCole Hartman 15 inside. The 10 breaks a tackle. Stays in bounds and hops into the end zone. Touchdown. Kansas City. It is a jet sweep of 25 yards to the sweet nectar of the end zone by McCole Hartman. Hits, misses, and messes. Time to talk football after hours with Amy Lawrence.
3: Christian McCaffrey makes his debut for the Niners in the Bay Area, back to where he played his college ball at Stanford and where his father, Ed, won his first of three Super Bowl rings. And yet it's a different star who steals the show for the visiting Kansas City Chiefs. His name, Nicole Hardman. Man, what a show For this wide receiver who actually gets his first career rushing touchdown. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio and Mitch Holtis. Now, initially, things couldn't have started any better for the Niners because Christian McCaffrey makes his debut. A couple of carries on the first drive. They march right down the field and get into field goal range. Then, a tipped ball interception off Patrick Mahomes. His third one in five quarters. Remember when they had issues not taking their care of the football at the beginning of last season when they were under 500? That's what I was thinking about. A third interception from Holmes, and with that short field, it's a quick San Francisco touchdown drive. Jimmy Garoppolo caps it with a throw to Ray-Ray McLeod. At that point, the Niners are up 10-0. But Kansas City settles in and answers repeatedly. So Nicole Hardman first has the eight-yard touchdown catch. Then his first career, rushing TD, 25 yards. He goes a, ra- a perfect formation from the offensive line. Everybody pulling right. He follows his big hosses around. He finds the space and just, boom, up the sidelines. They never cut off the sideline. My, my basketball coach always told me, this high school basketball coach, actually college too, they always told me, step on the sideline. It serves as another defender. But nobody stepped on the sideline. Nobody pushed Hardman out. Nobody forced him to go out of bounds. And that 25-yard rushing TD, again, the first of Hardman's career, puts Kansas City in front for good. Though at the time, we didn't know it because it was only 14-13. Right away, out of the halftime locker room, the Chiefs at it again. It is incredible how lightning fast they can move the football when they're locked in. And it's also pretty impressive to see Isaiah Pacheco, who's not only was in the starting lineup as the running back for the Chiefs in this game, but also was returning kicks. And because of that, because of a long return for him to start the second half, they already had the Niners back on their heels coming out of the locker room. Four straight touchdown drives for the Chiefs in the second half. After that short one, thanks to the big run back, they go 75 yards, 80 yards, 72 yards. And this is what stood out to me. No drive, regardless of how long it was there in the second half, consume more than four minutes and 10 seconds. Their quick strike. And that's what Patrick Mahomes does well. That's what this creative offense from Andy Reid does well. And ultimately... The Chiefs don't miss Tyreek Hill. It probably stung a bit. That breakup stung a bit. He chose the Dolphins over them. They were a little confused. And then he starts piping off about how they're going to miss him. And the offense isn't going to be nearly as good. Except that they put more weapons in the fold with Patrick Mahomes. And he is one of those quarterbacks that raises the level of play of everyone else around him. The best of the best. Cause everyone else to get better. They essentially will you to get better. Because of how they set you up. And how they distribute. And how they direct. And how they lead. And Patrick Mahomes. An MVP. A Super Bowl winner. He is one of those. So ultimately. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he's an amazing player. He's very fast. But. They've moved on and they're still having a heck of a lot of fun.
1: First down goal to go at the four. Chiefs are under center with Mahomes. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? (laughs) Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Leading 28-23. By Edward hillier They're going to bring it on another jet sweep. This worked earlier. It's going to work again. McCole Hardman had a jet sweep touchdown earlier. He gets another jet sweep touchdown. The jet landed jets all over the Bay Area. And Hardman's had a day. And the Chiefs go back on top with a touchdown to answer the touchdown. A lead of 11
4: you don't want to go out have two losses going into the bye week and so we knew this was an extremely an important game um, and I thought the guys accepted the challenge especially how we started um, and responded and went out there and found a way to get that win and that bye week's a lot better when you're coming off a
1: win proud of our team for the job they did this is a very well coached football team um, with the 49ers and um, they've got really good football players so and they you know they got their guys back and And um, we're very emotional, had a nice big trade that they added to it. So uh, their future uh, is is bright as can be. And uh, uh, but on the other hand, I like the way our guys approached the game. They came out, didn't get caught up in all of that. And um, didn't get caught up in being down by 10 points, they just kept playing.
3: Did it strike anybody else that the last time the Chiefs played the Niners in a significant game, they were also down 10 points? Only that happened to be in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. That lead didn't hold either. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. So the Chiefs turned it on after the half. They had 28 points in the second half, if I remember correctly. And while they, as you hear Patrick Mahomes say, are able to go into their bye on a win... And with first place in the AFC West, though it's still a very tough division, the Broncos notwithstanding, but they're at five and two. You've got the Niners who fall below 500. They're three and four, even with the addition of Christian McCaffrey today.
1: As competitors, you want to win every game. You go out there, you put your best foot forward, you put all this work in throughout the week, and you know you grind through it. You want to have a good result at the end. But yeah, these division games definitely... Uh, carry a little bit more weight and so we gotta be ready to go this next week we had some plays where i thought we had some opportunities and we didn't do well especially on some self-inflicted things um, which i think went in all three phases
3: the niners have all the tools great that they've had a bunch of injuries Sometimes, though, and and maybe it's because Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't played for quite a while. He had the shoulder injury. He was thrust back into the starting lineup. Now, he should be familiar with the offense for the most part and their tools, and there are times when he looks comfortable, but there are also times when he does not. And so they do have the touchdown drive with George Kittle, and they pull within five points in the fourth quarter, but then the wheels come off after that. There's a safety when Jimmy gets sacked by Frank Clark in the end zone. Now, Garoppolo is not fleet of foot, and that's on his offensive line. So he gets sacked in the end zone by Frank Clark. Then he fumbles when he's sacked by Chris Jones. That's definitely on him. Then he throws an interception. And so the wheels come off for the Niners in the fourth quarter when they need to play their best football at home. Kansas City racks up more than 500 yards of offense. Get this. Oh, my gosh. This stat jumped off the page at me. 9.1 yards per play for the Chiefs. That's nearly a first down every time you snap the football. 9.1 yards per play. Four of five in the red zone. But I do think Christian McCaffrey will be a major weapon. I do think that there are a ton of weapons there at Garoppolo's disposal and Shanahan's when he can make sure to get them all involved. McCaffrey has eight carries for 38 yards and also has two catches for 24 yards.
1: I'm still getting to know these guys, man. I, I, I got to do my job. Um, I got to make a few more plays here and, uh, once again, just learn the offense as quick as possible. I think some of that stuff, you know, I'm just trying to control what I can control right now and, and get going.
3: Now, the Arizona Cardinals in that same division are also at three and four. Remember, they played on Thursday night. So you've got the Rams who are on a bye week. The Rams, the Niners, the Cardinals, all at three wins. The Seahawks are the only team in the NFC West above 500. We'll get to them coming up. Because this may be one of the stranger things that I've seen this entire season so far. So we'll get to the Seahawks. Pete Carroll coaching his arse off, And how about the return of one Dak Prescott? Cowboys hosting the Lions. Once again, the defense steals all well, not all the headlines. 95% of the headlines. Defense to offense. That is a formula that's working for the Cowboys when they use it. On Twitter, A Law Radio, hashtag stranger things, and we'll get our pull up. Who's miserable and mortified on Monday? I I just can't say it like a normal person. It has to come out like that. Ah. It's because of that. It's if you need to do that if if your team is miserable and mortified and Mine definitely is. Uh, And also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We're glad to have you with us as we morph into a Monday. Sometimes you just have to go, ah!
1: You are listening to the After Hours podcast. First and ten toss to Walker. Goes right side. Has a little running room. Parkinson out front. Here comes oh, up five. the sideline. He's on the run. 40. Down to the 30.
4: Are they going to catch him? I don't think so. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Seahawks, 74 yards.
1: It's a football feeding frenzy. After hours with Amy Lawrence.
3: That 74-yard run by Kenneth Walker served as the exclamation point. Steve Rabel on Seahawks Radio. 74 yards to the house, and Seattle rides that ground attack. 200-plus yards rushing in this game against the Chargers. Walker himself goes 168 and two scores. But that was the dagger. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio, the Seahawks. Your first place Seahawks. The only team above 500 in the NFC West where the other three teams made the playoffs last year. That Seattle team led all game long in Los Angeles. Geno Smith. You know the Geno Smith who got traded because he was thrown into the Russell Wilson trade because he had to because... Actually, I take that back. Gino, earned, my, my fault. It was not him. It was Drew Locke that was thrown into the Russell Wilson trade because they had to include a quarterback. Gino was already on the roster and he led this QB competition all of the offseason into training camp. Pete Carroll kept telling us, he kept telling us, Gino has earned this job. But it was really a, a cosmic joke, was it not? Was it the punchline for every NFL offseason quarterback move? Hey, what about the Seahawks? What about the Seahawks? And then to add insult to the injury, the NFL schedules Broncos in Seattle for week number one. But even then, when the Broncos lost, it was chalked up to the 12th man. Seahawks jazzed up because they're facing their former QB. No, it's, it's not a fluke. Pete Carroll can coach a water bottle and a pair of jockstraps and turn it into a winner more than likely. He's got this rookie, Kenneth Walker, and an offensive line that clears spaces. And a Geno Smith who, when he limits the mistakes and the turnovers, now he had two turnovers in this game. But when he does that, this offense can rack up the points. And it certainly helps that the Seahawks had 10 points off turnovers by the Chargers in the first half. And they were able to hold Austin Eckler. At bay. Now, once they built the lead, too, Herbert, Justin Herbert had to start throwing the ball more. They were able to get to Justin Herbert. And so it's all hands on deck. And now here are the Seahawks, who are at four and three, and the only team in the West Division above 500.
2: I feel like we're just coming together. We're showing everybody we're coming together and, you know, we're working. Um, you know, like I always say, we go back and watch film and you know, prepare for the for the next week and I
1: feel like we're just going to continue to grind and continue to get better. Every game is a championship game and uh, that's what they feel like, man, like ebbs and flows in the games, ups and downs, uh, we get momentum, they get momentum and I think, you know, what the best teams do is um, there's mom- moments in the game, defining moments where, you know, you can really go and take control of the game and I think they're in the third quarter, um, there was a spot for us to do that and just to keep those drives alive I think we converted a few third downs Um, that just says a lot about our team and our offense and uh, we just got to continue to build um, continue to get better and uh, you know look at those moments and say hey this is what we can do and 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 set that standard for ourselves good to see the offense be able to go down the field and put some points on the board and the defense to slow down Uh, other than the turnovers
4: that that screwed us up um, we really we, we really had a really solid football game you know, anytime we can go out and, and, and run the ball for a bundle, had 160 or something, and uh, take care of the football like Gino did, throwing it 20 for 27, you know, really efficient stuff,
3: and then play defense to complement that, we know that we're going to be good on teams. So it, 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 just, it just fits together really well. My question for you on Twitter, and it's a serious question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to seriously because it's sports and it's not life or death. However, what's the stranger thing to come out of the first seven weeks? That the Seahawks are alone in first place in the NFC West, or that the Jets have the same number of wins as Buffalo. Now, the Bills have five wins. They're off this week. So it's five and one for Buffalo, five and two for New York after another win on the road for Robert Sala's Jets. They made a loud statement right off the top.
4: Bunch set left, Wilson under center takes the snap, toss sweep to the left Ball with blockers in front, has a crease to the 45, to the 50, left sideline 40, down the sideline 30 he's gone! 20, 10 5! Touchdown!
3: Brees Hall, house call the Jets take the lead I like that call from Bob with Shoes and Hall. House call on (laughs) Jets radio. Uh, Here is the downside, the price the Jets pay for this rookie Brees Hall, who's been such a revelation, working on a monster rookie campaign and this incredible introduction to the NFL. He goes 62 yards, but then he suffers a knee injury in the second quarter. Waiting to hear, but... uh, it sounds like from some of the words Robert Saul is using that they're, they fear a serious injury, so we'll wait uh, on Monday. Latavius Murray for the Broncos has a two-yard rushing touchdown himself, and so initially Jets and Broncos exchange turnovers, turnovers touchdowns, that would actually happen too. Uh, the, the Broncos did not have Russell Wilson because he's dealing with the hammy, and so it said it was Brett Rippin who started this one. They go scoreless in the third quarter because uh, who need points in the third quarter? But then an interception by Rippon leads to a New York field goal. Both offenses are really scuffling in the second half. So even though the Jets have more wins, their offense is not anything to write home about. What's been really good for them is their defense. So longest Denver drive of the second half, giving the Broncos an opportunity.
4: Empty backfield. A reprieve for Brett Ripon. Five receivers spread the field. Fourth down from midfield, he's back to throw. Under some pressure, flushed right, needs a bomb down the right sideline for Hamler. Incomplete. Underthrown to Hamler. He was blanketed by Sauce Gardner. It falls incomplete. And finally, the jet sideline can breathe that last sigh of relief. They're going to win it here in Denver. Stay perfect on the road and begin this season five and two.
1: We were just communicating and flying around, getting to the ball. You know, the main thing that defense should do. Uh, we did it at a, at, a, at a high level today. I'm sick of being up here saying the same thing over and over again. Uh, the opportunities are there, and at some point we got to take them. Uh, there's no excuses. You know, we've been in every single game, and we got to win these games.
3: So first you hear Sauce Gardner. They're flying around, and that is for sure. Bob Weschusen with that last pass defensed on fourth down, just inside two minutes to go for Jets radio. It's the rookie, Sauce Gardner, without the bling, uh, who knocks that ball away. And then you hear Nathaniel Hackett. He's tired of losing. He's getting fired up two and five now in his first seven weeks as an NFL head coach, but for the Jets Their best start since 2010 at 5-2. So what's stranger, the Jets or the Seahawks? Dax Return is next. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
2: Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.